Sebastopol. 1850s. Oriented! I know where we are. Crimean War, 1855. Ottoman Empire weakening. British soldiers fighting Russians. Well, Adam, I would say Chibnall really likes to shake things up, doesn't he? I would say so. Based on <laughs> based on what we've had put in front of us, yes, absolutely. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't content in kind of rewriting the Doctor's entire history. You know, now he's rewriting the universe's history, <laughs> or how 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 time works. I mean, why not? Let's just let's mess with that too. You know. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, in in this last episode alone. Like, they are laying out some major fundamental things about how Doctor Who has, or how time in Doctor Who has always worked, and we've just never been aware of it. It's it's pretty major stuff happening right now. <laughs> I was thinking about that today, after I had watched the episode a second time, and I was just kind of thinking about, like, Chibnall, I can see why some fans aren't thrilled with you know, kind of what he's doing because he is kind of upsetting the apple cart a bit. And yeah, it, I mean, I'm fine with it at this point. I'm kind of like, okay, you know, I'm rolling with it. I think it's very interesting what he's doing. I'm excited for, you know, some of the, this mysteries and the, the cliffhangers and all that. So I'm, I'm enjoying the ride, but I can see, I could see why people would maybe not love the fact that he's, he's kind of fundamentally changing the fabric of what we've known. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, to each their own. I can totally understand how if there are any if there is anybody out there that's not enjoying what's happening right now because of how it does kind of mess with the things that we've always thought or we've always assumed or we've always known. I get it. You have all your all rights to be upset about this. That said, similar to you Aaron, I'm just enjoying the ride. I am legitimately happy that for Whitaker's final series, final season, I'm on the edge of my seat. I really am. I'm very curious about how the next four episodes are going to play out, how the next four chapters are going to play out, what this means, how it sets the table moving forward. I'm I'm engaged uh, more so than probably what I was last series. Right, and there's some finality, you know, coming. You know, we're we know that it's a six-parter. We're already two episodes into it, so we're like a third of the way through, and so it's exciting to know that this isn't just. They're not just setting us up to to drag us along for the next, you know, three or four seasons. This is leading to something, right? Yeah, you know, and that's where there you can see the little. The little hints and the Easter eggs and the stuff they're dropping on us. You're like, okay, all right. You know, we're as long as they wrap this up, you know, with with the. I feel like they need to wrap it up with some of the stuff they're introducing here, and I'm I'm hoping that this isn't just like a handoff to the next showrunner and leaving some of these mysteries hanging. You know, it's like, okay, now you run with it. It's like, no, let's let's wrap some of this stuff up so the new Doctor, new showrunner can start with a bit of a clean slate and, you know, kind of come up with their own storylines. Yeah. I have a feeling that with, with Davies taking over after Chibnall, it finishes up with everything he's wanted to mess with. 
it it is probably going to be a fresh start. And so that's why I feel like these six episodes, the two that we've already been able to watch, the four that we have coming, um, they they do carry weight. And it's something that we've talked about in previous episodes of the podcast where it seems like through a typical season you have these episodes where it's like, okay, yeah, I might have enjoyed it, but it doesn't necessarily fit with what I thought the series where the series was going it was a filler episode right i feel like we don't have any space for that and it's something that chibnall's recognized and i don't think we are going to have any of those episodes where it's like eh, i'm not sure where that fits in but okay it was still enjoyable it feels like every single one of these episodes are going to be so tightly tied together um that there has to be resolution at the end of it yeah, it's good and bad. You take out the filler episodes, then you have just have really short seasons. Because every, you know, probably every series of Doctor Who that we've watched, if you take out the ones that we were like, oh, okay, you could have done without that one and just stick with like the more solid episodes, you probably would land around six. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, they're, they've just kind of, oh, well, let's just stop making the filler episodes, save some money and just focus on the the big story. So. It, it might be – I would be interested to hear more people's opinions on how that would sit with them because honestly, if if things go the way that I'm anticipating them to go or at least the way that my my own anticipation is leading me with these episodes, I might be cool with six episodes and just have them being solid. I will say that, but then I'll also say I then don't want to wait two years for the next series. Give me a series the next year. Right. And just keep hitting me with six episodes every year, and I think I'd be happy. Yeah, if they could get on a more regular cadence and say, okay, the new format for Doctor Who is six episodes and two specials, you know, every year. You know, and the, the episodes hit in the fall, maybe the specials, you know, maybe there's a the, the holiday special and then another one somewhere else. And then that's, you know, that's fine. The thing, I, I just don't like how it kind of, it's change, it changes up and then it's like, the big gaps between Doctor Who yeah. not really knowing when it's coming back. It's that part gets a, gets a little tiresome. Yeah. So, yep. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if it'll get any better. There are the rumblings of like, you know, Doctor Who, you know, is there, they're using a new project production company now, which isn't rumblings that's actually happening. And then, but there are rumblings of like, Oh, maybe Sony's going to buy it out or something. So who knows what the future of Doctor Who looks like. And maybe it does become more of a consistent thing. Uh, but for now, this is what we've been getting. We've been getting kind of these, you know, random, you know, who knows when it's coming, who knows how long it's going to be, how many specials we're going to get. If Is a special going to be on New Year's? Is it going to be on Christmas? Is it going to be, you know, who knows? So we don't even know this year. We don't even know if there's yeah. going to be a Christmas special or a New Year's special. They still, you know, that's still kind of a mystery. So just like to keep us guessing. I guess. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be reviewing uh, War of the Centaurans, which is part two of the the flux. Um, I don't know what would you call it. Storyline. Storyline. That's 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 probably. I mean, it's a series, right? The the series is flux. This is chapter two, War of Centaurans. But I would, I'd probably just call it a generic generic storyline. Yeah. Uh, so we can jump right into the review. I don't think we really have much. You know, we kind of gave our thoughts on 
you know, just the general direction of the series, but let's get into the actual episode that we just watched. Yeah, Chapter 2, War of the Centaurans, Potatoes Go to War. <laughs> they, that is not the subtitle. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> Although there was a ref, did they say? I feel like somebody said Potato Head at one point. Yeah, Dan Dan definitely called one of them a Potato Head. Okay, yeah. Dan's kind of, he's a bit speciesist. <laughs> and some of his commentary, you can call him uh, Carva- Carna- what's his, Carvastian or whatever his name is. I'm just going to call him K. But uh, he called him like flop. He said something about his floppy ears or, you know, things like that. He's uh, he's not very sensitive to, yeah, to the other species. I, I do enjoy Dan, though. Like, I, I thought I was going to enjoy him based on the first episode. You said he's probably going to be more comic relief. I think that definitely holds true. But it, it's like this. He's comic relief, but he's not a comedian, right? He's like a genuine, good-hearted, just very uh, sincere, and he just so happens to be funny or put into funny situations. I like him. Yeah, this episode he definitely had more comedic moments. Uh, the him walk running around with the walk and all that stuff, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it because I kind of I liked him more in the first episode than I did in, in this episode. I kind of liked him. Not that I want him to be super serious, but I kind of was hoping he wouldn't become too slapsticky. Yeah. And well, if, I mean, yeah, and it feels like they're kind of maybe going that direction with it, where he's gonna maybe progress in his comedic. I mean, he's a comedian in real life, so I mean that's probably why they hired him. But but yeah, this episode had a couple moments where I was like, all right, that was a little. A little cheesy. Yeah, I I mean it's definitely it definitely is served up and when it's served up he hits it out of the park in my opinion. But oh, yeah. there were there were some some pretty good moments. A couple groaners. A couple groaners <laughs> that like I'm gonna walk out of here. Uh mm. I mean it's it fits his character in my opinion. Like he looking back to the first episode where he makes the comment about like, oh yeah, I think my mate had one and it was bigger. Like he makes similar comments in this episode where he's like, "Oh yeah, it was my pl- it was my plan, it was my idea," but this guy's trying to take all the credit for it. It's like things that you know very obviously are not the case, and yet he still makes the same types of comments. I like the fact that it's consistent. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I like him. I like him so far. This is how much we like him that we we started the show in our our review. We're just talking about Dan. So. <laughs> It's not, not the uh, what was it? The five minutes of Danny Pink. Oh, it's see, it's, Dan, Danny, it's still it, Dan it, any, again. Anytime you give us a character that has some uh, mix of the name Dan, Danny, Daniel, <laughs> we're gonna latch latch onto it. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we'll start the ten minutes of Dan. You know, we'll have to replace the the old segment. Yep. Danny Pink. Well, that's that's the first time we've had a Danny Pink reference in a while. On this, that's been a while. Yeah. Uh. All right, so this one, it kind of, the last episode left us in this big cliffhanger. The Flux is overtaking them. The the uh, Lumpari are protecting the Earth with their shield, their ship shield. And the Doctor's kind of like, yeah, this is the end of the universe. And then they just leave us hanging. So you're not sure what's going to happen. This episode starts out, and the Doctor... It, does it start out with her vision? That's what first starts out, right? She has that little vision. 
Yes, okay. black and white vision of crumbling house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she, so we start this episode. She's having a vision. It's black and white, and she's in this like scraggly little forest. I wouldn't even call it a forest. It's almost like shrubbery. Yeah. But and then there's this kind of weird house floating almost looks like a haunted mansion style kind of thing uh going on and she's looking at it and then she snaps out of it and you know there's obvious symbolism there or something that's going to be revealed later on that what all that means but right now it was just kind of like all right here's a thing she's seen she's not being pulled into this at least not that we know of by um by the the bad guy, what's his name? Swarm. Uh, Swarm. Yeah, she's not like being pulled into this by Swarm like we've seen previously where she got pulled into something. Or maybe she is, but he's not there. Uh, so it's kind of a mystery as to what all that meant that first like 30 seconds of the show. Yeah, I. It, it's kind of. I feel like these visions happen within the Timeless Child or they were visions per se but kind of like that slow unfolding of things i feel like this house is going to play into the exact same thing right like this is going to be some callback to her past some reason why she doesn't remember her history with swarm um in azure but mm. yeah it's i it's purposeful right like that's I, the orphanage they all grew up in <laughs> so help me if it comes back to some some orphanage story that's going to be a little bit of a bummer but it's <laughs> it, it i i I can't help but think that everything that we see in these episodes is extremely purposeful. And maybe that's just mm. the the word that I'm going to continue to go back to throughout these six these six episodes. It feels like there's going to be nothing that's said or done that's just a throwaway, um, including this random vision that pops up at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. I was trying to remember the scene where dan's friend gets pulled like gets kind yeah. of pulled into, into that the house. house and i was kind of thinking wait is that the same house like i didn't go back and look to see if it looked similar just because i didn't have time but but then I, I that did come to mind where maybe there already is a connection that we're just not making yeah i i think the the difference there is the, the uh when her when die gets pulled inside the house it's no longer a house right so I, I mean, that's not saying anything in particular, but but the doctor um, only sees the outside of the house, right? So correct. She, maybe if the doctor goes in the house, she'd have the same experience. But so, do you think that the vision is connected to Swarm and Azure, and that she's seen it because of them, or it's unrelated? I think she's seeing it because of them, but I think it's the awakening of memories. So mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that they are causing it, other than the fact that them being around is starting to surface these things within the doctor. Got it. So the doctor snaps out of that and, and finds out that she is on earth and we already knew, you know, based on the previews that what this was going to be about the Crimean war, 1855. Yeah. Uh, the British are supposed to be fighting the Russians, but we have a <laughs> twist on this one. Russians, Russians. Why do you keep saying that word, Russians? <laughs> right. They they meet up with Mary Seacole, uh, pretty much right away. She thinks that they're like robbing the dead bodies, <laughs> which was interesting. Yeah. Um. So we get that introduction, and then yes, Doctor kind of realizes where where they're at, 
Uh, and then the Centaurans are kind of there instead of the Russians. Centaur yeah, that's... <laughs> Sartan Ho. <laughs> um, I I think I think if we just master the the difference between Santar Ha and Santar Ho, we've uh, done pretty well in determining their language. Yeah, I think Ha is like a, you know, that's like a positive, and Santar Ho is a negative. That's how <laughs> that is that was my interpretation as well. Yeah, like I'm gonna charge into battle, Santar Ha. I'm gonna shoot this guy, that. Didn't do a good job, Santar Ho. Yep, you know? <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> so yeah, so they're they're in the they're in that you know kind of thing going on, um, but we also see that Vinder has survived the flux as well, and he is you know he's waking up on what will become a very important location for the rest of the team. But Vinder's kind of the first one there uh, at this, uh, what is later revealed to be a temple. Absolutely. And it we, we don't have to wait very long, right? Like we discussed it the first episode. Are we going to jump between all these stories moving forward? Are we just going to kind of focus on one story each episode from this point forward? Four more episodes, five more episodes at the time. It doesn't take us very long to realize that these stories are going to continue to merge throughout these episodes. Now we didn't cover absolutely everything, but we are at least seeing several threads of the overall story interwoven um, throughout this episode. So like I said, this, this temple is kind of a central location that by the end of the episode, everybody ends up there. Yeah. You know? it, but when Yaz gets there, she runs into the guy from like 1820. Yeah, that was weird. And he's there, and we've seen him, you know, previously in his own time and the the whole tunnel thing, and he seems to have, like, some knowledge of something. He's working for somebody, it seems like, right? He He's working for someone, and then it also seems like he is trying to work things out as well. Like, the, the line where he says, um, do you mock me, madam, the start? And then he asks... Yaz asks what's the year and he says why do you believe it to be a matter of import and it's like he's not fully in the know of what's going on like he he knows some bits and pieces of it and he's still trying to work through all the details but the fact that he shows up so early and then we don't get any reference to him at all moving forward even though by the end of the episode like you mentioned everyone is in a central location, but he's still missing. Yeah. That's so weird to me. Where did he go? Yeah. Wh- what happened to him? Well, he had, so he, he's a very interesting character because like you said, it seems like he knows, but he's also confused. And yeah. some of his line, like, so some of his quotes, he says, all our fears made true. All is porous. All is broken. I must retrace so much work to be done. Like as he's wandering off, it's like so he he's he's definitely in the know, right? Like so much work to be done, all is porous. It's almost like he's referencing you know because the you know we'll find out when we talk about some of the stuff with the Mori, but you know there's this time element, absolutely. And so it's yeah. like all is porous, and, you know? Okay, like time is porous, right? Like he that's how that's what I think he's referencing. 
So it's almost like he's been recruited into something and he's doing his job, but he also doesn't really understand it all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that whole idea of like time is poor or all is porous, all is broken. And you mentioned it probably referring to time, right? It's something that even Swarm mentions as he approaches Yaz. And he's like such linear creatures. Like mm-hmm. this idea that we all view time as being, it has a starting point, it has a finishing point, and it's just a straight line. And yet what this episode is really alluding to in several places is that that's not exactly how time could work if certain restrictions were removed. And so that's what this, the dude from 1820 is saying, like all is porous, like things are just seeping between each other. Nothing has a start and a finish. And instead of a linear line, instead of a line, it's all just like this massive glob of stuff happening. Right. And I, I definitely will admit I'm kind of, I haven't wrapped my head around even kind of some of the stuff they've revealed already, you know, kind of the, the flux, you know, coming in, like what is, ha- what is happening with the flux? Because we've seen it destroy planets, but it also seems like it's, it's having an effect on other things, right? Like the TARDIS or earth, you know, the history of earth is being kind of reshuffled. And it's it's kind of like okay, what is the what is the threat that it's posing, and to what extent has it already done the damage that it's going to do? Like, is the Earth is the Earth only still here because of that shield around it? Otherwise, it would have been dusted. Or, and so like the whole idea of like the Santarans, you know, being there instead of the Russians, and then the people in history being okay with that—is that just like an after effect, like? I just feel like the the flux itself that's happening, I don't know what it is. I don't get it. Yeah, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember, didn't Swarm basically say that it was just time, right? It was the chaos of time. Did he refer to the flux as the chaos of time or time already is chaotic and the the Mori are the ones that have been, you know, basically I don't know. They almost didn't look like they were doing it. They look like they're doing it against their will, but yeah, <laughs> they've been, you know, kind of the ones that have been holding it back. I guess time would run amok if it didn't have this, this, these people controlling it. Um, but I didn't remember there was any reference to the flux and all that. No, no. You know what? I think I'm just, I think I might just have made that correlation myself. Like mm. that, that the way that time was described as being chaotic and destructive, that I just viewed that as being the flux itself. Like it's the, it's the, the ever marching forward, the rampaging time. And because something happened with the Mori, that's how the time was able to break loose. Um, wow. We are jumping way far ahead in the episode. Oh well, um, yeah. Cause it's all, it, I mean, it kind of all leads there. So it's kind of hard not to, yeah, it's all course, right? Bring up it certain, all just bleeds. Yeah. Right. It's not linear. Come on. Uh, <laughs> our episodes have never been linear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, it's, it's very interesting on like how it all connects, I guess, because the flux so far to me 
has just been some kind of destructive force, and I'm not sure how much it's impacting everything that's going on with with time. Because then the Santarans had their own thing going on where they were, you know, building these time ships. Yeah. And trying to infiltrate the history of Earth. So the fact that they were already, I don't know. That's why I was kind of trying to figure out with the Santarans. I'm like, did they, did they go far enough back in history and establish like a country? <laughs> and that's why we're seeing on the map? Or is it just like the flux that caused that distortion and they just got there? Yeah, because doesn't the doctor say that because the Earth still exists, that the Lupari shield must have worked? But yeah, then the Centaurans, that. the Centaurans slipped through before the shield was actually up. So that's why they're on Earth. And then right. they took advantage of the temporal... Yeah. Oh, yeah, so now maybe I'm... that's where it connects. Maybe the because of what the flux is doing, it's giving them the ability to take advantage of the the temporal shifts or whatever, so they can. I, I like I said, I haven't wrapped my head fully around it yet. But the Centaurans apparently went to Liverpool first, and then started their plan. And the and then their first like what they called a pilot mission or whatever was to go to Crimea. Crimea. <laughs> and and why did they want to go to Crimea? So so he could ride a horse. So he could ride a horse. <laughs> I laughed at that. I thought that was funny. Oh, come on. Of all things to laugh at, you laughed at that. I did because I love, I actually really like the Centaurans. You know, like <laughs> I talk about, I, you know, some for some reason certain villains don't land for me and other ones work. And the Centaurans I've always liked because they're so ridiculous. They look ridiculous. They're hilarious in how they talk. Yes, I agree. Everything is so, you know, we will walk across the bones of your, you know, like he doesn't, everything they say is violent and like, and you're almost, you almost can't take them too seriously because of how they look and how right. easy, how easy they are to kind of, you know, take out. But then at the same time, they're like, you know, executing people and, you know, so there is a dark side to them. So you do, I guess, kind of have to take them seriously. But overall, I really enjoy their dynamic so this whole episode like when he said that he's kind of going he's like we wanted to come here because you know because of the war and i forget what he the list of reasons why they wanted to come here and then he kind of like hesitates and then says and i also wanted to ride a horse <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah yeah he look he does look funny on a horse you know they, yep they do look funny on a horse <laughs> so yeah i was i was enjoying the uh the centaurans nice but yeah, you're right. We have kind of just r jumped around. Uh, so let's maybe we'll roll back a little bit here. But um, Bender so, and shows up at the temple. I think that's where we left off. Yeah, yeah. So he shows up at the temple and, and he there's like this diamond shaped floating, almost like a droid kind of like I was thinking of it as a droid because that in Star Wars, if you have some in, you know, you know, non-human object, it's usually a droid. So that's kind of how I thought. But uh these guardians, I guess, these little these little guardian drones that look like diamonds, um, show up and say, "Are like, are you? Can you repair? Or right? Like, isn't that what they're saying? Yeah. Can you repair? Can you can you repair? Right. So he's the first one to see, kind of the the Mori, and at this at that point we had no idea what they were. We just see these kind of um, I don't know how many were there, like six. 
something like that. Yes. Six or eight, maybe. But they're when I saw them in the trailer, I thought they were statues. Oh yeah, absolutely. So they're, uh, I believe they're all women, uh, standing in kind of these robes, and two of them are kind of flickering, and I guess that's what they're referring to as needing to be fixed. Yeah. So, so Vinder definitely seems like he's going to become more and more important. Uh, they're establishing, you know, kind of almost like a little camaraderie between between him and Yaz when she shows up. Uh, they have some good chemistry, I felt like. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to know, because they even planted seeds later on in the episode um, that Vinder has a past, right? Like, Swarm mentions, like, you haven't told her about your past or something told Yaz that, something, something to that effect. And so it's like, I'm wondering if, again, this is something that will have peeled back even further. Like, why was he left at Rose Outpost? Why was he stuck there? Um, the entire time, because he he seems to have a pretty official title when he introduces himself to Yaz. Right. So it, it's just something another uh, another layer that needs to be pulled back. Something else that needs to be explained to us, and I'm sure they will. I'm not sure to what extent, but it definitely seems like there's a story there that needs to be um, expounded upon. Right. He's from somewhere. He you know says I need to report back to my planet, you know, tell him that this is happening, you know, so he's, he's in some capacity of, you know, it did sound like, I guess, I guess, um, I guess the swarm guy said something about him, like trying to redeem himself. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, but then was... from Vendor in the temple, we get back to the doctor, Yaz and Dan, and this is where the fading out occurs. Right. Yeah, Yaz and Dan just start just basically disappear. Yeah, they did a back to the future. Which the doctor was like, Oh no, you're falling through space and time. It's like almost like she knew what it like she'd seen it before. <laughs> okay. They they just look like they disappeared to me. Like I don't know if I would have come to that conclusion. Right, right. But Yaz had a like a little moment of like kind of being scared i think because she's like the doctor's like i'll find you and she's like promise you know um but yeah they just show up you know yaz shows up at the temple and then for whatever reason dan just goes back to his house yeah that is interesting that they go to different places and there's not really an explanation as to why no there isn't they just maybe part of it is kind of like convenient writing i guess maybe because they can't access the tardis right and they need these characters to be at these places <laughs> yeah so the writer was probably like how do we get them there if we're not using the tardis like oh you know what we'll just have some kind of thing where they like disappear <laughs> <laughs> the doctor will say something timey-wimey and then we'll all accept it because we kind of did oh yeah absolutely She's like, okay. and now that i'm now that i'm thinking about it yeah Again, I'm not entirely sure why that made sense in the moment that they would all of a sudden just disappear like that. Like that's never happened anywhere else other than you could just say, well, the flux, right? Like all sorts of temporal fun time, timey-wimey stuff happens with the flux. Therefore, you can just straight up fall through space and time back to where you belong. Right. 
Maybe that's why they introduced the flux. Just so they can have that, like, <laughs> that one thing that they can just blame it on anytime that they want to do something. Like, oh, Everything well, the flux. The flux now. Yep. Yeah. The flux is causing it. But they do, because the doctor does say at this point, before they disappeared, she did mention that the flux was messing with time. Or, what did she say? Yeah, she said something about maybe history is being affected by the flux. Yeah. So there is a, there is definitely some sort of connection more than it just being a destructive force. They're definitely referring to it it being part of the, of the issue with time, not just, you know, you have swarm, you have the mori, now you you have the flux. There's like multiple things that apparently are affecting time all at the same time. So yeah, I don't know. I think that's the part I'm the most confused about is kind of what's, what's the, what are we worried about here? What is it? Is it the flux that's the problem? Is it swarm? Is he causing the flux? Like, I think that might be purposeful though. Like the fact that we have a multi-headed Hydra happening right now, as far as storylines, because it does create that sense of needing to know what really is going on and i i mean the flux is so big you can't just at the end of six episodes write it off and be like oh it wasn't anything um same with swarm and azure like there needs to be some resolution to their story as well you can't just after six episodes be like oh they're not a they're not in the picture anymore like there has to be something that resolves all of these things and there has to be some sort of explanation. At least I hope there is. Hopefully it's not just an explanation of like there was a lack of love. So all this stuff broke loose. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. The no Moffat's not writing this stuff. Um, <laughs> Think happy thoughts. No, it's going to be one of those things where in the end we, we find out that the flux was actually caused by the doctor. Oh yeah. But at a different time. And so like, she doesn't realize that she's the one that kicked it off and she did it for a reason because they needed the flux to happen in order to defeat Swarm. You know, like it's going to be one of those kind of timey-wimey things. It's where, all wiped from her memory. Yeah, and the, she'll, you know, she set off the, the events of, of what they're fighting against. I mean, everybody else seemed to know that it was coming, right? The Centaurans knew, the Lupari knew. True. Swarm knew. It's only the Doctor that had no idea that this was <laughs> happening. It's because she was gallivanting the universe with, with Yaz and they were just going on vacation. She wasn't paying attention. She was distracted. Time child threw her off a little bit. Right. Uh, she did. So when she loses Dan and Yaz, she runs to the TARDIS immediately trying to, trying to, I guess, be like, oh, well, I need to get out of here. Um, ready to just abandon the fact that Centaurans are <laughs> in the Crimean War. She's like, you know what? Forget about this mess. I'll leave that to Mary. I, I got to go. <laughs> I got to go save my, you know, my companions. And then, but there's, she can't get in. Like, there's no door. So the TARDIS is just all jacked up. Yeah. Um, and then, so that keeps it. So it's kind of one of those things that we've talked about before where, you know, what drives some of these stories is like the fact that they can't get into the TARDIS. Yep. You know, a lot of the classic Doctor Who is that way. Uh, so this is, you know, they're using, they're using kind of that classic story form with Doctor Who to say, all right, we need the doctor to stick around here for a bit, so we're going to make it so the TARDIS doesn't work. 
Yeah, the TARDIS doesn't work, but I, for one, it's it's pretty cool to hear the cloister bell so much. Like, it, it feels like it's been a long time since we heard the cloister bell ring on the TARDIS. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can remember specific times, like episodes that stick out to me that you heard it. But yeah, they do seem to keep it as a rarity. Yeah. So Dan, let's talk about Dan a little bit more. Dan, Dan pops back to Liverpool. He goes back to Liverpool. He, he can't get into his house because his house is is now has been shrunk. His house doesn't exist, and he apologizes to his neighbor for it. Right. And his neighbors are kind of like, you know, they're they're closing their windows, or the one neighbor's kind of like looking at her watch, like you need to, you're, you know, you're. I immediately thought he's out past curfew. That was that's what I thought when she was looking at her watch. I'm like, oh yeah, he's, absolutely. He's gonna get in trouble for being out on the streets. And the I thought it was gonna be a different alien species. I thought the Centaurans. Okay, the Centaurans are in Crimea. This is gonna be another alien, and like for because they had already introduced like the Weeping Angels. And I thought, okay, maybe with this flux thing, it's like caused like all these different aliens to kind of be popping up all over the place. So I, I expected it to be like maybe Cybermen or something else, but no, it was just more Suntarns. <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're everywhere now. Yeah, they are everywhere. And another another use of kind of typical Doctor Who storytelling, we get the silly family. Yeah. We get yep. the 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 mom and dad, I guess in this in this case, but it does seem to be, you know, we've had Rose's family, we've had um, Donna's Rory, family, Rory's be, dad, Rory's dad. Yeah, you got the family. Yeah, it's it's a thing. So, so I actually never would have guessed in a million years that we would have been introduced to Dan's mom and dad. <laughs> I know <laughs> that wasn't even Dan... on my radar. Dan isn't like the youngest guy. Like stick him next to his dad, and I'd say there's probably only a ten age, uh, ten year difference. That's true. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. They those two actors probably aren't that different in age. Right, right. <laughs> Dan just Dan just looks handsome, you know, so it makes him look <laughs> so young. But yeah, they were kind of. It was kind of an unexpected and maybe almost unneeded introduction because they didn't really do much other than kind of fill him in. On some information right. as to like when they showed up, like to use the pan, but other than that, they didn't really serve <laughs> a major purpose. No, um, they serve absolutely no purpose at all. Like it could have; those roles could have been filled by friends, by resistance fighters, by like you could have named them so many different things. But or just not even anyone. It could have just oh, been yeah. Dan. <laughs> like Dan could have done all that without True. them necessarily needing to to show up. It was interesting. Because we have such a short season, I'm like imagining, okay, well, they introduced his family, so they must come back later. Kind of like with Rose, you know, they introduce her mom, and then her mom is like a recurring character. She comes back, not every episode, but she's there every once in a while. Yeah. But in this situation, it's almost like they're not going to have them become recurring characters because there's only four more episodes. <laughs> like, you know, I, or please, I hope they're not having them become recurring characters because that feels like wasted time. Um, unless Dan is a carryover, uh, companion where he, you know, he's in the next series as well. And, and they're introducing them because they're going to be around for a bit. So my only justification for his parents showing up is to keep it a little bit more lighthearted, right? Like Swarm and Azure, they are like, not only is their appearance frightening, 
but they really are very frightening characters. Like the fact that they have no qualms whatsoever about just disintegrating anybody and everybody, the fact that they can do it so easily, so quickly, they have that crazy confidence to them. And then you have the Centaurans that are just like executing people right and left. Like, I feel like the writers felt like they had to inject some levity, some odd characters, some just like funny situations into the the story just to keep it a little bit lighter, a little bit more family family oriented, if you will. So you in you you insert mom and dad with a walk and the fact that the mom is the one knocking people out and the dad's cracking jokes. Um that's the only justification I can think of for having these two characters show up when they did in this episode. Yeah, and they, they had shown an image of Dan in some of the marketing material where he's where he's wielding a walk. So <laughs> so we've gotten to that episode. Yes. Uh, and I remember thinking, okay, like that's gonna that's that was one of the indicators to me that they may use him in, for more of a silly character because like if that's your marketing you know, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a tell, but yeah, I, I could have done without the parents and I didn't even feel like the actors were a little kind of over the top. Like I just, there wasn't, they weren't as likable as some of the other family members that have been introduced in the past. Oh, I liked them. I liked yeah. them for some, for some reason, this episode, like it hit all the right notes for me at the right times. Like even Carvanista, when he shows up, like I didn't even bat an eye at it. It's like, oh, I like this guy. Like, I don't know. <laughs> this this episode hit all the right notes for me. Yeah, I mean, I was, I like Carvinista. I think mainly because the actor playing him is does a really good job. Oh yeah, absolutely. The fact that he's walking around in a essentially like a dog costume, and he still comes across as cool. Like to pull that <laughs> off, that's some good acting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, when he showed back up, I was completely fine with it. He can be a recurring character. I'm down. Uh, he did have one of the cheesier lines in the episode. Like I still have a human in this fight. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. As opposed to a dog in the fight. Yeah. 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 I get I it. Like, okay, I get it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was fun and they, him and Dan do have a cool little vibe, almost like a, bit of like a Han Solo Lando Calrissian kind of they're partnered but they also don't really like each other yeah and that's the thing like they call that out pretty pretty heavily at the end of this episode almost to the point where it's like both of them might just be putting it on at this point and like they really do they really are starting to like each other but they're they're both gonna act like they don't oh yeah absolutely I think they're they're gonna be they're going to be fast friends. You know, they, I like, I like that duo. It's, it's fun to see them kind of, uh, hanging out. So I hope that they, I hope we see more of him, although it seems like he may be left behind for a bit, but, uh, I feel like he's going to play into some of the, the big events moving forward. Yeah. There was actually a point in this episode where I thought, Oh my goodness, what if they keep everybody separate and we just get Carvanista and Dan, like, <laughs> by themselves in most episodes. I don't think I'd be that, that angry about it. They're yeah. going to be Davy's first spinoff. Just wait. Right. Yeah. That, that'll be the, uh, the beginning of the, the doctor who universe. 
yeah. uh, that, that Davies is talking about. He's going to have a, uh, a spin-off show, Dan and, <laughs> Dan and Kay. Uh, it's just going to be solo all over again. <laughs> uh, so, so back to the uh, Crimean War. Yes. There is a character we're introduced to who's kind of a villain, this, this general guy. Um, what was his name? Logan, right? L- Lieutenant General Logan. Yes. He, right away, like there, there was no effort to make us like this guy at oh, all. Oh no! There was not, not even a moment where they were like, "Oh, let's introduce him as like a likable, cool general." But then you'll, you know, over time, he kind of falls to the temptations of war, and you know, there's nothing. There's no character arc with him. Nope. He just he starts out as a jerk. He's a jerk to the doctor right away. Uh, she's telling him, "Don't fight the Centaurans. You don't know what you're getting into." And he's, you know, telling her she needs to back off. And you're right away. You're kind of like, "All right, this guy's gonna be trouble." Yeah, he fills the role that I feel like we see so often in Doctor Who. Right, the the self assured, the very confident, but very misdirected individuals who looks at the Doctor and either for either due to the age of the doctor or the goofiness of the doctor, or there's always some trait. And in this instance, it's going to be the apparent gender of the doctor. They just push the doctor aside, right? They, they, they know what's going on. They're the expert in the room. And that's exactly who this character is. I feel like we see this type of type of character played out so often. And it just so happens to be Logan in this episode. Right. You also think maybe, okay, because the other way they could go with it is, like I said before, you can start out kind of like as a likable character, then he can right. be as bad, or you can do it the other way around. He starts out as a bad character, and he becomes likable because of some heroic thing he does, or he comes to the light. You know, he realizes he's wrong, but nope, this guy is just kind of straight across. There's no, there is maybe one moment where you think, okay, he's he's coming to the doctor for help. Yeah. But even that is pretty short-lived, um, and then he, you know, he does some pretty, he does some stuff the doctor didn't like. I don't know that I would disagree with some of his actions <laughs> because <laughs> essentially they're at war, and this, you know these people, this this species is trying to wipe out the entire Earth. The fact that he blew up their ships, I was kind of like, that's probably a good move. Uh, <laughs> but the doctor wasn't happy about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. I, I'm with you. I can't disagree. Like he, <laughs> he just made some baked potatoes. It was okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because they, they, their intentions were clear, right? Like this, this species, and you know, obviously he's he doesn't have the same history with them as the doctor does, but you know, they show up and basically claim that they want to wipe out the entire population of the Earth, um, and they killed all his men. I could see a st- strategic move. You know, you just blow up their ships. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doctor and, was ticked. She was yeah. not happy. No, Logan knew that they were going to come back. I'm not saying Logan was a great character, and like I think he's the best character ever. But I mean, you can you really disagree with how he approached the Centaurans? Because you knew they were going to come back, right? You knew that they weren't going to stay away long. They were going to restock and then come back. It, well, and essentially, Carvanista does the same thing. Yeah, you know, like he's he he does something very similar where he kind of wipes them all out. And, you know, I guess maybe because the doctor had made a deal with the commander, you know, and so essentially they were forced to leave, but it's in, in a way retreating. 
And so maybe the doctor just saw that as a, you know, kind of she she made a deal with them and then he kind of went and, and killed them. Yeah. And so maybe that was why she was mad because he kind of forced her to go back on her word, whereas Carbonista was still in the midst of battle and decides to, to kind of, um, you know, crash the ship into all the other ships. Yeah, one followed the rules of engagement, the other did not. Yeah, right. I mean, war is war is not a uh, war is a dirty thing. Yeah, especially when Centaurans are involved. <laughs> and they did. We we were introduced to the uh, the one Centauran who was, I guess, essentially captured. <laughs> uh, yes, I liked him too. He, he made me laugh. Yeah, he, he was having his interaction with the doctor. The doctor's kind of tricking him, saying. You know, if you go back to your commander and tell him that I'll parlay with him and then I'll tell him where the doctor is. But all along, obviously, she's the doctor. Um, now, was that Strax? I mean, I know no. it wasn't Strax. I know it wasn't actually Strax. But was oh, it the okay. actor who plays Strax? Because the voice sounded really similar. And I saw in one of the behind-the-scenes videos that the actor who played Strax was in this episode. Well, let me check real quick. Sure enough, it was. Look at you. Okay, yeah, because he sounded so much like him. Now they did they did a different look because they're trying to keep it consistent with the this new look that they're doing for yeah for the Centaurans. But he had a very similar um, voice and just the way he was interacting with the Doctor. I was just like, okay, this is bringing back memories. Yeah. Of of Strax, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. And he called out the uh, the Shadow Proclamation, which we haven't had a call out to the Shadow Proclamation in a while. Right. Yeah. And he was ambushed by a circular propellant, <laughs> which, again, <laughs> yes. just going back to what you said, like the way that they talk makes it, it makes them likable, even though they are just absolutely horrible, horrible people. Right. They're, they're there to just murder people mercilessly but they're still funny <laughs> yeah exactly and we don't really see them doing it too much although in this episode they do like but i, th I feel like in the past when when they've come up against the centaurans they all they've almost always just been comedic and not that threatening yeah this is kind of the first time i can remember where they they actually show them kind of violently kill people uh i guess trying to make them feel a little more threatening yeah they do a good job I, I think I think we need to call out uh Mary. Okay. I a little bit more. Mary Sequel. Yeah, I mean like I said before, I wasn't super familiar with her as a historical figure. Um I like it when they bring in historical figures. But she's definitely not like a household name. And so that was kind of like okay, like I, I was looked her up, okay, sounds like you know, she, she played an important role in history, but at the same time, I didn't think they really did much with her character. They literally sidelined her for, you know, the, this was the one part where the doctor, they find the camp and then the doctor's like, can you just wait here and take notes? Like, <laughs> you know, like she wasn't, they didn't focus on her as much as they have in the past with some of these, you know, historical figures that they meet up with and kind of make them the, the focus of the episode. Yeah, she didn't. She felt like a very much a side character, um, which I thought was interesting choice. Yeah, I I feel like in the Doctor's 
Dang. <laughs> in Whitaker's second series, maybe it was even the first series, they did a lot more exposition <clears throat> of the character, the historical character, and mm-hmm. what they did, why they're famous, why they're important, all those things. With Mary Seacole, they left a lot of that explanation, a lot of the exposition to her own character and just how she described the work that she was doing. Even even to the extent of saying that she went further, um, or she went closer to the battle, further into the front lines than even Florence Nightingale did. So she, she put herself out there. But she not only was doing it um, to to take care of people and to doctor people back to health, but she also was running basically a full scale hotel, right? Like she, she was also serving food and doing everything else um, that, that her little hotel would do. She was a very enterprising individual. Um, someone that I was not fully aware of prior to this Dr. Who episode. So again, props to Dr. Who for calling out these historical characters and forcing us to do a little bit of research on them. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I like it when they use historical characters that I'm already familiar with. Oh, yeah. I but, do, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, William Shakespeare. Like, I don't need a lot of explanation as to what he, you know, why he is important or, you know, who he is. Uh, it does seem like they're digging deeper, which is oh, yeah. probably purposeful. You know, they want to they expand out. They don't want to just go with some of the more obvious choices, maybe, um, you know, have a little bit more kind of representation of you know the some of the important people in history that maybe don't get mentioned a lot mm-hmm. and you know that's fair but yeah for her i just didn't think i had the kind of the same feeling that i had about you know dan's parents where i felt like that role didn't it didn't necessarily have to be her like it could have been yeah. anyone that that was doing that there was nothing that she brought to the table that became important to the storyline. Like she didn't, she didn't do anything where like maybe someone would get injured and she like used her skills to save them or, you know, she used her battlefield knowledge to help them strategically. There was nothing that she did because of who she is that helped propel the story. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Now the general guy wasn't, I didn't, I didn't take the time to look it up, but I'm assuming he wasn't, supposed to be based on a real person oh that is actually a really good question yeah i I, I assumed sure. he wasn't but maybe just because of how the negative they <laughs> they did or maybe there's just a well-known negative general that they wanted to look make look bad but yeah i didn't i just kind of assumed that he he wasn't anybody that we needed to worry about yeah other than the uh charge of the light brigade i'm not too familiar with the crimean war I, I agree. I didn't realize, you know, 1855, not, that's not like an era in Europe that I tend to study or think about too much. Yeah, because when you come up to 1855, I mean, that's right before the Civil War. So in American history classes, we are focused on the gearing up of the Civil War, launching into the Civil War, and you don't really have that much European history that comes in, at least for... Uh, American history classes at that time. Right, yeah. It's probably a little bit different. Our textbooks are probably a little bit different as far as what we're focusing on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that I've heard it. You know, I've heard the term. People say Crimean War. I, if you had asked me before I watched this episode when 
the Crimean War was or who was involved in it or where was it located, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. So this is a bit of a history lesson, which I, I enjoy. <laughs> but um, so the temple. Yes. Let's talk about that. I think that's kind of the, that's really the important part, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what did they say the temple was called? The Temple of Atropos. Atropos. Uh, and the planet name is Time. Yeah, check that out. There's no planet named Time. But here we are. Mm. Uh, the doctor seems to be completely ignorant of the, like she's not aware of this. Yeah. Of this place, but it seems like a really, you know, important place. The And she just and she just so happened to show up there with Dan by accident. Right? Yeah. They jump the TARDIS and all of a sudden the TARDIS just takes them there. Right. And no we, we they've already established that the, something's going on with the TARDIS. Yeah, it's breaking apart. It's a mess. It's leaking. It's got some weird masses inside of it. The door disappears sometimes. So it's something's not right. And then when the doctor, when the doctor and Dan get in the TARDIS, and then it's, it starts to take them away. She's like, she can't control it. She's like, it's be. She literally uses the term, it's being hijacked. Yeah. So someone else has drawn them to the temple. Um, once again, it's kind of weird, kind of hard to explain how Yaz just randomly went there when she fell through time, and then the doctor is pulled there. So it's kind of like, is it the same forces that are causing that stuff to happen, or is it random? I don't know. But um, yeah, the doctor gets pulled there. But I don't want to. I don't want to forget about the moment where I feel like Dan got his official invite to be a companion. <laughs> like right, there was a moment, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. After they crash all the ships and stuff in Liverpool, and Carvanisa is there, and. The doctor says that she needs to go get Yaz. And she's like, do you want to come with me? Yeah. And he kind of lights up, you know, he's like, yeah, I want to, you know. So I felt like that was his kind of official, official invite. He is now officially a, con a companion. He's not, he's not a Danny Pink. He's not a side companion. He's not Mickey. He's, he's a main companion now. Right? Yeah. No, okay. absolutely. That's, he has gotten his official invitation and he officially accepted right yeah so he's now traveling with the doctor uh maybe the shortest run for a companion we'll see you know because he's uh he's only got six episodes well we don't even know if he makes it all six episodes but we're assuming um he'll he'll go all season so swarm and azure are um they show up at the temple as well yeah, and let's just pause there because not only do they show up, but so does Passenger because we are three now. Who the heck is Passenger? <laughs> passenger. <laughs> I I know. I thought the same thing. I was like, who's this? Was he with them before? Like, I, I had to, like, remind myself. I'm like, wait, did I just miss that he was walking around with them? Or did they have to go, you know, because when Swarm had to go get Azure, right? And kind yeah. of wake her up and then she became Azure again. Uh so did they also, was there like just something off screen that we didn't see where they got, went and got passenger to? I know, but passenger doesn't talk. And I think at some point they even like call him something having to do with Atropos. I don't know. I don't know who, I don't know who or what he is or why he's important. 
and I he, I had another thought that maybe because he's fully masked that like it's going to be revealed later on like they're going to demask him and you're, it's going to be some like whoa oh my gosh it was like oh this so help me if it's the master that's going to be absolutely ridiculous yeah but he he's got a very kind of large like bouncer like body type oh yeah absolutely so i don't because i was thinking if they had gone with more of a standard you know kind of body type then maybe it could be like oh who is he it could be an important but like that big of a a a character like i think there's not too many people that that could be there's it's not like they were familiar with a character that you know could be unmasked and be like oh my gosh it's this it's been it's been graham all along you know like (laughs) it's not it's not going to be that because they picked a very specific body type that there's not too many people that would fit that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's just the muscle of the team and they just needed a, someone that is going to you know, throw Vinder around or something later on. I don't know. I mean, they literally named him Passenger. It's like he just rides along with he us. Doesn't, yeah, he doesn't matter. He's, he's <laughs> like, along for the ride. He's, he's just here. Yeah, he's, he's paying for uh, transport somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's he's a mysterious character for sure, because he hasn't really done anything. He just he's just kind of there. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So pass. They are three passengers that with them. We don't know if he is like them or is he just kind of a. I'm getting the sense that he's just um, a minion of theirs and not super important. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, why would they need a minion? They seem to be able to handle themselves pretty well. True, yeah. I mean, it, when you can dodge bullets uh, the way they were, and you could touch anything you want and destroy it, yeah. Like, what? Why would you need a bouncer? Yeah. Why would you need a bodyguard? He, maybe, maybe passenger just carries the bags. <laughs> uh, and they're they're ravagers, which I so I saw the behind the scenes video where they talk about them being ravagers, but I'm pretty sure up to this point they haven't said that in an episode. No, that seems that seems fairly new. Okay, yeah. So we know what they are, but we really don't know what that means. We just know they're called ravagers. But you know, if they're you know, I know that we were talking about connection to the Time Lords or you know who they really are. Um, I don't know. I don't know what a ravager is. Yeah, and. Maybe there's only two of them. But they did say, I didn't, so in the the video, did you watch the video? The behind the I scenes did, video? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they talk about the Ravagers, and one of the actors does say that- <sighs> Dimension. They're an alien from a different dimension. Yes. I picked I thought, up on that too. Which I was like, oh, that's kind of a reveal. Like we haven't really- we haven't been given very much information about them at all and about their origin. So the fact that she said that or he or she, I think it was, I think it might've been the, the woman. It was, playing yeah, it was the actress. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So when she said that, I was like, is that just her interpretation? Cause she doesn't know, or is she dropping some knowledge on us and they're from another dimension? Yeah. See, I was one, I had the exact same questions. Like is, is it just easier for her as she was describing it to say like dimension without really knowing the weight that, that right, like, right. The she wouldn't, she didn't carries? know that the podcast would be speculating based on that one word. Right. Or, or even like what, I don't want to say this because I don't, I don't know her background. I don't know how into sci-fi fiction she is, what have you. But I, 
Like, does she know what a dimension is? Like, does she know what would happen if you said, well, I'm from another dimension? Like, what that would spin up? Or is she just meaning that they're from, like, another planet? Are they from another... I don't know. It's just that word stuck out to me, and it was like, oh, dang, that's, like, that's pretty huge. Like, we already had the pocket dimension, right? Like, with the cup of soup Gallifrey. <laughs> um, I'm just... I'm wondering what what else comes with that. Is what an actor says in an interview canon? You know, like, (laughs) I don't think so. I I think, honestly, I think it could be, I think it's 50-50. I think either she knows and that's how it was described to her. You know, the character she's playing, like, okay, you're playing this character. They're from another dimension. You know, and that she's just repeating what she was told. Or she's just describing it the best she knows how and isn't re- like you said, not realizing that, you know, the weight of any word you say and people are going to pick up on it, but they did choose to leave it in. Yeah. Cause that was a highly edited thing. So it's not like it was some kind of off the cuff interview she did on a podcast. Like this is actually an edited released video. So they left it in cause you would think if that was problematic, they would have maybe edited that part out. So a call back to the timeless child. When they found the timeless child, did they find her on a planet or did they find her in another dimension? I don't remember. Now I want to go back and watch that because it's like that one scientist doctor lady like flew. Like she did something to pull the timeless child out. Ah, shoot. Now I need to go back and watch that. Maybe yeah, because that, that would give be a little bit more context. If, if the timeless child, because we really don't know where the timeless child is from. So maybe the timeless child is from the same place as Azure and Swarm. Yeah. And so these are like villains from that dimension that she had been fighting against, you know, through throughout time. They also mentioned the age. Uh, one of the actors had mentioned like that they believe that Swarm was as old as the doctor. Yep. That was another line. So, okay. Makes sense if this, this character has something to do with time and has been fighting the doctor since before the doctor can remember, it would make sense that this character is also very old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. So there was other, some other information that was kind of dropped on us. We know that they have been banned from this temple before. (laughs) So they've, they, they're not supposed to be there. Um, Right. They mentioned that they had, there was some sort of a quantum lock (laughs) against them. Yes. Um, Those darn quantum locks. Because of last time is what they said. So it's kind of like they got kicked out of an amusement park and asked Denver to come back, you know? Right. Like you you did something and they're like, sorry, you're you're banned for life. I feel like that's kind of what happened to them with this temple. They've done done something in the past where they have been banned and they're they're quantum locked out. Um, And I guess they're back to maybe do what they tried to do before. Yeah, I would say that's probably safe to say. And it seems like maybe they are the reason that uh, Yaz appeared there. That's just my guess. Like, they needed them to get past the quantum lock. That was my understanding. Yeah, that makes sense because it was like a proximity thing. Like, when you stand close enough, it's like a motion sensor, essentially. Uh, when you stand close enough, it turns on. So that's when the the Mori appear. If you're close enough, 
Uh, two of the Mori are broken. The other ones can't handle holding back time without yeah. it. Um, and then I guess maybe this is something where where Swarm and, and Azure are going to take advantage of that. And I don't know what their end goal is. That's the thing. There's so much mystery. It's like, is he just out to get the Doctor? It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like one of those characters is just like, oh, I just want to get the Doctor. Like this, There's yeah. a bigger plan in play here. That, you know, is the destruction of the universe their end goal? Is taking over the universe? I guess he did. He does say, what does he say? I want to rule from hell or something? <laughs> Doesn't he say I that? Might have, I might have missed that one. Uh, yeah, I'm, now I'm remembering. Because, like, as I'm talking through this, I'm like, wait, he does say something at one point. I know I took it down as a note. I don't know. I'll come across it. Yeah, I, I, that is that is one thing, right? Like, we know that... He's battling with the doctor. They're battling with the doctor. Like they want, they want to win, but to accomplish what? Right. Like that's that's essentially the question we're asking. Like what what is the end goal here? Like what what are they ultimately trying to do? Do they just want to defeat the doc the doctor, or is there something else at play here? Maybe he said that in the trailer for the next episode. <laughs> I was gonna say I can't find a single thing in the transcripts about ruling. What do you want? To reign in hell. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll look at the trailer in a minute, but um, yeah, I'm in the same. Like, I'm not sure what the end goal is, and I'm I'm sure more will get revealed. But in this case, he you know he takes out one of the Mori. You know, he touches them; they disintegrate. One of the ones that was already broken, essentially, and then it's revealed that. He has replaced the two that were broken with Yaz and Vinder. Yeah. And the doctor shows up and she, once that's revealed, he's kind of like, well, if I release, I guess he's going to snap his fingers. And if he releases like the time to just. Yeah, it's, it's like he's holding back all time at that point and he's getting ready to let it flow back through Vinder and Yaz who are taking the place of the Mori and the Mori are supposed to sort things out. So time is not chaos. What is that going to do to their poorly equipped bodies? Right. So he's using, essentially he's using it as a way to kill them. Yeah. But it's kind of like, I guess he just wanted to prolong it. So it, it, he could cause the doctor to suffer, see it as opposed to just like, you would think if he wanted to kill them, he could have done it a lot easier. Oh yeah, absolutely. Than that method. Uh, so yeah, and then they leave us where he, Azure does the countdown. It gets down to, you know, it gets down to the end, and then the doctor's basically like, "I'll give you whatever you want. Like you don't have to do this. Like what do you want?" But he doesn't care. He just he snaps his finger. Yeah. So, um, and literally that's the end of the episode. So we don't know what happens when he snaps his finger. You know, what's going to happen to Vinder, what's going to happen to Yaz. They kind of, once again, leave us hanging at the end of the episode without really knowing what's going on. Yeah, and I appreciate the way that these are ending. I really do. I like the fact that we are left wanting to see the next episode like like we uh we mentioned 
it is revealed <laughs> um, shortly after the credits what's happening if you watch the trailer for the next episode, um, but not so much to take away the entire need to watch um, what's coming. Right. Yeah, I love the I love the cliffhangers. I think it's cool. And, you know, we know, we know we don't have to wait too long. You wait a week and then we'll get, we'll get more information. Um, but I was never, I was kind of never under the impression that, that Yaz was in true danger. You know, it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, okay, there, this is a character they're not going to kill right now. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, was there anything else like in the episode or, you know, kind of any any thoughts you had on kind of the the Mori or the time, or like what it, what it all means, any theories? I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm still in the, what I'll call the discovery mode where there hasn't been enough revealed yet to me to really have any theories or thoughts around a lot of this stuff. It's kind of more like, okay, I'm just taking it in. you taking note of what they've revealed to me so far. But yeah, I don't know. There's, I don't really have much more beyond that. Yeah, I don't think there is much more beyond that. That's with the way that everything is laid out, I would be absolutely amazed. Unless unless I will say, unless there's a lot of classic who stuff that's coming into play here that we're just totally missing. Um a lot of the context there a lot of the context if that falls in classic, I just won't be able to pick up on that. So right now I'm looking at it and it's like, wow, this is all totally new stuff. And I can't even begin to guess what's going on, what's happening. Um, as for what happened in the episode, I think we covered it pretty well. I mean, there's a few tidbits here and there. Um, nothing too nothing too crazy, like the fact that um, the triangles, the Atropos triangles, the Guardians, they're all destroyed. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Azure does pretty quick work of basically melting all of them, turning them to dust, destroying them. Uh, they they just like doing the whole, like, disintegrate, turn into dust thing with their hands. So um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to the next episode, uh, Once Upon a Time. And the punctuation there is pretty interesting. Once, comma, upon time. There is no upon a time. It's just upon time. Right. Because the planet name is time. Yep. Yep. So I guess once upon time. Um, did you look at the new the trailer? Are you trying to not see that? No, I I definitely saw the the trailer that showed at the end of the episode. Is there is there another one? No, no, no. I just didn't know if you. I mean, there's a trailer on YouTube. I'm assuming it's the same one they showed after the episode. Yeah. Uh, but they it does say in the YouTube description, spoiler warning. So I guess maybe they... Because I think they <laughs> released the trailer right after it airs in in the UK, which doesn't it air earlier. Yeah, I think so, you're right. So the trailer essentially for the US viewers w- could come out before you've even seen the episode. So that's probably why they're like, you know, don't watch this yet. But um, but like you said, they're, they do kind of spoil a little bit. And if... For those of you that don't want to be spoiled, maybe don't listen to this, but but we're going to talk about the trailer a little bit. So, <laughs> so we will talk about what they what they do spoil. Um, but it's a pretty short little trailer because I think although it's listed as twenty six seconds, 
on YouTube. Uh, a lot of that time is, is kind of the post-trailer info. So it's actually only about 13 seconds. Yeah. If that. There's a opening scene where the Doctor's kind of standing with, spoilers, Vinder. <laughs> yes. Um, it looks like Vinder, Dan, Yaz are all with the Doctor. So I guess Vinder and Yaz are, are able to survive whatever happens um, with with um, Swarm. So they're all standing there overlooking kind of like a city, like a... Uh, it almost looks like Gallifreyan city, but okay. Thank you. That's exactly okay. where my mind was going. Like the ruins of a city or something. So maybe the doctor takes them to Gallifrey. I mean, it would be, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just an indication that time and Gallifrey are very closely connected. Yeah. And then they show a scene of the doctor falling through some kind of purpley haze. And it, as she falls, her face is like all distorted. Is it a yeah. time vortex? So maybe. Um, oh, there's another scene. What's that with like somebody shooting? That's probably going to be like the division, right? That's my guess. It has to do with the division. I'm trying to like get a good screenshot. Oh, okay. It looks like they're on some sort of spaceship or space station. Yep. Uh, laser blast going on. Oh, with they're, they're Cybermen. Shooting, they're shooting against Cybermen. Okay. Yeah. So we got Cybermen in the next episode. There's a female character with a gun shooting at them, but it doesn't look like any of the characters we've seen before. Nope. New character. Okay. Oh, look at Dan walking with a big gun. Yep. Interesting. Oh, those are the same kind of guns that the um, the guards were using. Yeah. And Dan is flanked by both Vendor and... Yes. Yeah, and Yaz has the same same gun that he has, but then Vinder has a like a handheld version of it. Yep. Oh, ben, look at Dan looking all cool there. With a cool jacket <laughs> on and stuff. So they're wearing the same outfits. And that looks to be Temple Vatropos, if I had to guess. And we were t- and we were kind of having the debate on if if those characters in that first episode that were guarding Swarm were were uh, time lords, yeah, right. But they're they're part of what? What did you say it was called again? Division. Division. Okay. Yeah. So they're wearing division outfits here. It looks like. Oh, then it just jumps around. Um, yeah. We got Yaz shaking hands with someone, and then she like changes her face changes to be like an old dude. Yeah, I think that's. Gonna, I mean, because later Vendor shaking his same hand. I wonder if we're gonna get finally get a flashback to figure out what happened to Vendor, how he has been uh, rejected from his home planet. She's got a very kind of like a official looking type of uniform on. Um, I don't know how I'd describe it, but it's definitely not modern looking. Um. And then she like fade when somebody shakes her hand, she phases and looks like someone else. Yeah. Uh, and then they do this kind of close up on this guy with like a gray streak in his hair, and he looks really important. Maybe an actor I should recognize, but I don't. <laughs> and then Yaz with weeping angels. Oh yeah, there's a little weeping angel moment. So yeah, that trailer. I mean, we got Cybermen, we got weeping angel appearance. 
there's a it seems like there's a lot in that for just to be one episode so there's a lot in it to be just one episode and also based on based on the appearance of everybody and the fact that the temple atropos still shows up and like dan looks totally different and yaz looks totally different and then it jumps back and dan looks normal and I wonder if this next episode is going to be super timey-wimey. Like, if as the time flows through Yaz, if something goes haywire. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Maybe, like, the time flows through them, and then, like, you know, suddenly... It's kind of like how this episode started, where they all just ended up somewhere, and they weren't sure how they got there. And if that maybe the similar thing happens, where they just kind of, like, appear somewhere else, and maybe they start jumping around in time. Maybe it'll get more chaotic as far as time goes as the as the season moves on yeah so like yeah yeah i feel like i feel like something's gonna happen with the doctor at the very beginning of the episode and that's why she's fallen through like the time vortex and then she's just gonna see like what happened if the doctor never existed or something something like that okay once upon once upon time once upon time so maybe yeah it's like almost like a story little little fairy tales that are gonna happen yeah hmm. yeah so it looks cool whatever whatever's coming next to it there was definitely some cool visuals in that in that trailer but yeah i for one have enjoyed it it's the first couple episodes i think it's it's very it's keeping me guessing it's keeping me on the edge of my seat for the most part you know other than maybe a handful of little things that i can gripe about but overall it's i like the direction they're going with it yeah i've already said it hits all the right notes for me i think the only miss is passenger i have no idea why he exists everything else i feel like i can wait for an answer passenger is gonna drive me nuts though i need to know why passenger exists <laughs> passenger and dan's parents <laughs> i could have Passenger is actually Dan's dad. <laughs> that... The body's type finally fits. <laughs> I don't know. Dan's dad might have to do some CrossFit to <laughs> fit into that. But yeah. All right, man. Well, I think uh, I think we're good to wrap this one up. Sounds good. Right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Bad Wolf Radio. And um, you can find all of our episodes on apple podcasts or pretty much any of the podcatchers but you can find us on facebook on our facebook group um there's been some good conversation going on around these last couple episodes so if you're interested in joining our facebook group you can search for us um bad wolf radio group i think would probably get you to our page if you're searching for us and then just send a request and we'll let you in but until next time i'm going to need a pointy stick <laughs> that was I that I love that line because it was so serious of like him he's kind of like coming to her for help and he's finally admitting he needs her help and then he's like you know what do you need and she's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a pointy stick and then the next scene they show her using the pointy stick as like just pointing out the stuff on this chart that she made quickly and yeah. It was like hand-drawn pictures of Suntarans. <laughs> it was so in character for not just this version of the Doctor, but just about any version of the Doctor. Oh, absolutely. Could have done absolutely. that. It was perfect. I love that that little sequence. I'm actually surprised we didn't talk about it. Yeah. I'm glad you used it at the end. 
Yes. I nailed one. I got it. I got Later it. days. Later days.